right, so welcome to the Nurses in the No Show. I'm your co-host, Kristen, and this is... The other co-host, Hannah. And we would like to welcome you to the... Nurses, Nurses in the, the No Show! show. And so on today's episode of Nurses in the Know, we have a special guest today. Her name is Lizbeth, and she is a ED travel nurse. Um, so go ahead, give us a little bit of information about you. Um, you know, how did you become a nurse and how long have you been a nurse and pretty much your story. All right. So hi, I'm Lizbeth. So I have been a nurse since March of 2018. So I'm coming up on my three-year anniversary this year. And I became a nurse kind of at my parents' nudging, essentially. I wanted oh. to initially actually do dermatology, but we went to one info session at USC with my dad. And my parents are both uh, – they're both immigrants, so they don't have a lot to their name. So when we went to that info session, they talked about the tuition costs. And as soon as they hit that slide, my dad was like, let's go. <laughs> so we he's like I'm sorry this isn't gonna happen and so I was okay with that actually because when I ended up looking more into it I realized that as a dermatologist because I'm obsessed with everything about skin but as a dermatologist it would probably be like a good decade to 15 years before I had my own practice, maybe oh, more yeah. with like residency and everything. So oh, yeah. that was another thing. My dad's like, okay, well, we can probably see if we can get like, you know, state funding or grants and stuff to get you yeah, going. Yeah. But do you really want to do that? Like you're going to be 40. <laughs> I was like, nah, that's okay. Let's let's do something else. So I started looking into nursing just because I noticed how quick it was to start working, especially within associates. You can just start after two years. So yeah. that really drew me in. And then once I started looking more into like what a nurse is, what they do, and especially with how much contact you have with the patients, I ended up reading this one research article that showed um, it was talking about ICU nurses versus doctors spending time with the patients. And it showed that ICU nurses spent around 86% of their day with the patient versus the physician usually only spends around like 10 to 13. So that really opened my eyes as to how important nurses were in the healthcare world and really, really made me want to be a part of that. So that's sort of what kickstarted my decision to become a nurse. That's awesome. For real, for real. So you started, you started, you didn't start initially in the ER though, right? Where did you start? No. Mm -hmm. I started in perioperative nursing because during nursing school, I was obsessed with doing OR nursing, PACU nursing. I really wanted to do that, especially OR. I Aww. loved the idea of a very controlled environment and where, not not to say that like I'm in charge of it, but I just loved that the OR nurse is essentially like the one who keeps an eye on everyone and makes sure that the patient's okay, but that everyone else is doing their job too. And I just, I loved kind of in a way, micromanaging the whole room, or at least that's what I thought I wanted to do. And all throughout nursing school, that's whenever someone asked like, okay, well, where do you want to go with nursing? It was OR nursing, OR nursing, perioperative nursing. And once I finished nursing school, my first job, literally the week that I passed NCLEX, I started at my first perioperative job because I was so gung-ho about doing it. And I lasted there maybe 10 months, and then I realized I needed a, a switch of pace. <laughs> really? That's super interesting. So my background, I actually have um, perioperative pre-admission testing and PACU experience as well. So, mm -hmm. and, and in our first season, we interviewed a trauma OR nurse. So some of the stuff that you touched base on is kind of the things that Christina, um, she also expressed about, you know, kind of being that type of um, influence in the room. You know, everybody has their kind of role, but it's the role of the OR nurse to make sure that, you know, everything continues to run smoothly. So like you said, I completely agree with that. But I find it interesting that after 10 months, so did you end up signing a contract with that being your first job? 
No. So the way it worked out is, and also probably why I was able to get in there so fast after graduating and getting my NCLEX done, was I, during nursing school, I had done a rotation in an OR. And Mm -hmm. while I was there, I was throwing my name around all over the place. I was asking everyone in the room, like, where else do you work? Do you have another job? Do you like this job? How did you get started? Just really trying to figure out how I was going to be able to get myself into their shoes. I really wanted to be a part of that. So I ended up exchanging information with a bunch of people. And one of them worked at a outpatient OR or outpatient um, surgical center. And they were like, hey, we're always hiring. Um, So if once you graduate, give us a call. I actually exchanged information with them during my first semester. So my my mom was always, she, when I came home, of course I was ecstatic and I'm like, oh my gosh, mom, like my dream is coming true. And she goes, okay, but you have like two years ahead of you. So, (laughs) (laughs) and she goes, just keep, keep contact with them. Like every semester, remind them that you exist. So sure enough, that's what I did. I always felt like I was a bother to them, but she, my mom kept telling me like, just do it, just do it. So at the end of every semester, I'd remind that person, Hey, I just passed second semester. Hey, I'm in third. Hey, I'm in fourth. And then finally, hey, I just passed my NCLEX. Like, where can I go online to apply? How can I do this? And they gave me the number of the hiring manager. And the next day I was in an interview and that Friday I started working. So I believe because since it was an outpatient facility or an outpatient surgical center, it was, um, they, it sort of kind of what's the way to explain it? It's owned and run by one surgeon. So it's yeah. a lot easier for him to essentially hire a new nurse versus a hospital. There's a lot more like red flags and stuff like you have to pass through. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Yeah. But your tenacity really like showed off, you know, oh, like, gung-ho. I was ready. <laughs> I really yeah, you got that job because you were so like tenacious about, about I want this job. I, I honestly, I love that because for our new nurses or our prospective nurses or our nurses that are like sitting on the edges of, of their seat in their last semester, like this is the kind of like real world advice that people need to hear. And it and I think it's also like transferred over to even experienced nurses that yeah. like want to go mm-hmm. into something else. If you're at med surge or PCU level or even ICU and you're ready to to leave ICU. Or in the middle of nurse practitioner (laughs) school trying to finish. Oh yeah, for sure. ring a bell. (laughs) (laughs) That's Um, what I always tell new nurses too. They ask me, oh, how do I switch over to another unit? Or like, for example, I'm in ER now. A lot of med surge nurses will reach out to me or just like any type of like nurse will reach out to me on on Instagram or social media and they'll say, hey, I want to make the switch down to ER, like, but I don't know how to do that. And I go, well, first, the first thing you have to do is have a conversation with someone that's there. So you throw yourself out there, you meet people, you talk to the nursing manager, you get phone numbers and you throw your name in the pile just so that way, once they finally see your application, they know your name and it's a lot easier for them to pick up yours than to see some random name they don't know. Yeah. Network. It's network, 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 network. Oh, yeah, yeah. networking. That's all it's my mom kept talking about. She's like, this is networking, Miha. This is exactly what you have to do in the real world. <laughs> so, okay, hard question somewhat, I guess. Do you think if you started in a hospital setting with a proper, like, residency program, you would have liked perioperative nursing better versus uh, out- outpatient periop? Or do you think it just wasn't necessarily a good fit for you? I think I would have liked it a little better. I mean, I did enjoy it. I I won't lie. I enjoyed my time there. I really liked the team because we were a staff of maybe 20 people. So mm-hmm. it was a really good team. We like had a good relationship with everyone. You knew everyone you worked with, of course. So in yeah. that sense, I really enjoyed it. It was just the pace for me on top of I had other goals going forward in nursing that an outpatient surgical center job on my resume was not going to be the deciding factor for me to move forward. Um, Like for example, what, what another thing that made me switch over to ER was because I wanted to eventually go into um, like nurse education. I wanted to become a clinical instructor or a theory instructor. And 
most of those positions, when I would look at their applications, required some sort of critical care experience. Um, so my decision was either to go into ICU or ER, which I know ER isn't like critical care. At least I found I found that out the hard way. But <laughs> I found that out after I got in. I was like, yes, critical care. And then everyone's like, this is not critical care. <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> but it's fine because I enjoy it anyways. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was another deciding factor of why I ended up leaving my outpatient surgical center. I just wanted to I wanted to, I didn't want the surgical center to be the end of the road. I knew it was a good start, but I needed to kind of spread my wings a little bit and move on from there. But do you think if you, you know, started somewhere else, had like a somewhat stronger foundation? No, I, I mean, I, I guess, yeah, it, it's still, I would have enjoyed it anyways. I think what I, another reason why I wasn't so keen on it, because the thing with outpatient is, it's funny, I don't know if maybe... Um, you guys have heard it, but th- everyone mentions that PACU or like outpatient surgical centers are where like nurses go to retire. <laughs> I guess, again, another reason why I ended up leaving because everyone that I worked with was probably 30 to 40 years my senior. So <laughs> oh my gosh, there was this like, t- like bright eyed and bushy tailed 21 year old who just finished nursing school entering the world of perioperative or outpatient surgical centers. It's really interesting that you bring that up because, I mean, I completely agree with you because I found myself in the same situation. I was the youngest person by a good decade, um, sometimes with my peers, and I came with a critical care background. And a lot of the um, my coworkers or even my manager did not have the same background as me. And so not only did I have all this energy, but I had all this knowledge. And so I spent a lot of time with my anesthesiologist. And because I was in a hospital setting, I had urology, I had um, obstetrics, I had general surgery, I had podiatry, I had ortho, I had... Um, I had essentially everyone except for derm and we did um, like eyes and ear, nose and throat procedures. So I had a lot of like revolving of different surgeons, different likes, different things that made the switch um, in acuity level. It helped me because it kept me going because you just never knew what the next thing was. And I Mm -hmm. love that part. But the downside was These people love these jobs and they will fight you for them, but they also, they're in, like you said, close to retirement. So their, their hourly rate is much different than that of a new grad trying to get the same position. And so I think that weighs into it a lot too, because, you know, the OR likes to have certain individuals with certain personalities that can Mm -hmm. take things um, and that some of the younger, newer nurses, I think, would have a hard time with because sometimes it's not always rainbows and sunshine. It's um, very adult. That's what I'll leave it at. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, I totally get you. And I think how you said that you had you have all those specialties and different surgeries and you never really knew what was the next surgery coming in, that – I think if I would have started in an OR in a hospital would have been a it would have kept me there a little bit longer because with the outpatient surgical center it's just all we did was ortho so right. all day long it was shoulders knees elbows shoulders yeah. knees elbows elbows knees just, shoulders did so you, did you end up doing PACU as well yeah so I would bounce around because like I said we were only about a staff of 20 or so so we would kind of interchangeably bounce around and be like hey um like Kristen's not able to go into the OR do you mind switching with her and then like right called out from pre-op can you go over there that part is nice and you know I've had friends that like and again just because that background and that experience that have gone and worked for you know plastics or (laughs) for ortho and they love it but they do it PRN And they're like, no, I like having one surgeon or two surgeons know exactly what they're going to do, exactly what they want. And again, that that is a like retirement type, like cush job. Mm -hmm. Like this is cush. I love it. Yeah, (laughs) I I totally felt that, too. I'm like, I feel like this is too easy for my first nursing job. Like, 
I'm too comfortable here. And I it think would almost be of- like a trap, right? Like, oh, I could stay here forever. Like, if yeah, they just exactly. bumping up my pay, I'm going to stay forever. <laughs> I kept thinking, I'm like, oh my gosh, am I going to be here until I become them? Like my coworkers. <laughs> 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 on the on the flip side, I really feel very strongly that if somebody wanted to just see what life is like um, in that environment, they need to do it and to go mm-hmm. in shadow because it really is a different world. And I just love the dynamics opposed to what I was doing in the ICU. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, and to that extent. Do you guys, I guess I'm asking both of you because I'm the only non-periop nurse at one point in my life in the room. Um, Do you guys have any tips for someone who does want to get into periop besides the typical like go in shadow and network? Well, I guess because at least for me or in my mind, like for just to switch over into perioperative nursing, like there's no real specifics to it. It's not like oh, you should take this class to kind of like bump up your resume. No, I think it just has to do with just finding a position and sort of like how I said, networking, finding out if you can, like she said, shadow, see if that's for you. But I don't, I don't think, or maybe there is one and I'm just not knowing it. So from my understanding and the people that I've worked with and just been around, like they do prefer, or at least hiring managers prefer someone with critical care experience. And like you said, so that's what I noticed too, either critical care, per, um, PCU status, ED people, um, they just want individuals that have that higher acuity. And that's not so much for the perioperative, um, but more for the PACU setting for like, you know, that initial as soon as they roll out. Um, mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. once, you know, they're out of that procedure, anesthesia kind of is there, you know, but the surgeon is either on to the next case or gone. So you, you do work with a lot of autonomy, at least I did in my position. Yes, you had anesthesia there, but they weren't like with the patient. So if you had something going on from a respiratory standpoint or someone who was shivering, things of that nature, you just have to have that personality and initiative to be um, proactive instead of reactive, safely recovering them, making sure that they're awake enough, especially an outpatient to successfully be discharged home because in the end you can't keep them. You have to be very type A if you're going to work in the in the perioperative world, just because yeah. you need to be on top of every little thing in the room. And if it's a very coordinated dance in the OR and PACU, yeah. like she was saying, like you have to make sure that everything is a specific way. Otherwise, like chaos will ensue, especially if you have a surgeon that likes something a certain way and you don't do it that certain way, then even more chaos will ensue. Thankfully, <laughs> I only had the one surgeon that ran things, but even so, he was so specific about his wants. So in ortho, did you do in, in the perioperative, um, like the nerve blocks with anesthesia or did they do that in the room? They, we would like anesthesia would do it themselves, but we would do it in the, um, in the OR. Okay. Okay. So now that we've covered the fact that you've had this amazing 10th month, um, perioperative experience, (laughs) what was other than, you know, education and wanting to further your career development, the main reason why you chose um, an emergency room. I know you were saying for critical care and then surprise, um, not really the same, but go ahead and kind of describe that transition to us. Yeah. So I was trying to find something that would fit my personality type and just the way I worked. So like who you're saying, like ER is not critical care, but in my mind, I thought, okay, if I'm going into critical care, it's either ICU or ER. And so how we were saying like perioperative world is so type A then I figured, oh, I think I'll be a good fit for the ICU because that kind of is another type A job. But at the same time, I wanted something of a faster pace and just really challenging all the time, which ICU would have given me, definitely would have challenged me. But I was just much more attracted to an ER position. And one became available at a really close hospital to my home. So I just went for that one and they they had walk-in interviews that day. So I thought, okay, well, we'll just give it a shot. Like worst thing they could say is no or just not call me. So I ended up interviewing with the hiring manager that same day and um, I did get hired for the ER. 
It's funny that you kind of say this because when I was graduating from nursing school, I had the same predicament. I was like, do I want to do ER or do I want to do ICU? Um, and I chose ICU for the opposite reason. <laughs> I was like, I want them sick as sick. I don't want to deal with the like rapid like discharges and like the person that comes in because they stubbed their fourth toe and it, it looks a little funny. Um, I didn't want to deal with that. Um, and I chose ICU, like, like I said, for the opposite reason. I wanted to only have to deal with two to three patients <laughs> and just, yeah. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah, I was definitely not – I think when I thought of ER in my head, I don't want to say that it was the, the like, like the TV show type of ER in my head because I, di- I don't really watch any of those shows. But I guess in my mind when I thought of ER, I thought of just like code after code, compressions, just like all these things going oh, on. Girl, you were thinking of like the level one trauma ER where yes. it's like it is and- critical care on the fly – because uh-huh. you just don't know what's about to roll through the door. <laughs> yeah. So that's what was going on in my mind. But the ER that I ended up getting like my job in was definitely not a level one trauma center. But <laughs> it's funny because even so, like we would obviously get those, you know, Jimmy, oh, of course, fell off- yeah. Jimmy fell off his bike. So he broke his arm. Okay, we have to deal with him. Grandma broke her hip. Okay, we'll deal with her. I ended up working in an ER that was in an inner city area of like Los Angeles. So we would end up with what we call homie drop-offs and someone would just mm. drop off someone who had just gotten shot and we have to or stabbed and we just have to like get them ready and stable enough to be transferred to a trauma hospital. But we would have so many times where things would come in that we are not equipped for in <laughs> this inner city low resource ER that would just get thrown at us. And in that sense, I'm actually in a way thankful that I got started in that type of ER versus one that was like, you know, abundant in resources and everything was kind of handed to me in a way. Because once I started travel and going to other hospitals, um, I realized how, I guess, in a way poor we were. (laughs) Like, it's kind of like when you go to another neighborhood and you're like, oh, wait, like, you guys don't like you guys actually have this like we that's like unheard of like <laughs> you guys manual blood pressure goes <laughs> I can do it for you yeah like so touch just, their forehead for their temperature yeah oh, so just certain sorry. things that that I'd be like oh okay for example like um there were one of my travel assignments that I went to we were trying to get a patient to stay still because they were um they they were just like uh, moving around and it was an elderly person and we needed to start an IV. So I tried to get them to stay still and of course I was helping out the nurse that was like primary and they at first would call me by the hospital that I worked at. They'd be like, "All right, like let's let's see what you got because they all knew like, you know, the hospital has its reputation." But yeah, oh, so with like with the training, well, essentially being a new like ER nurse in that type of environment you have to make do with what you got like I said it's it was such a low resource hospital that we all of the nurses there we'd have to I told what did I tell them one time that we weren't just nurses we were also like Etsy artists because we would come, <laughs> up, we would come up with like weird ways to make things work um just to like I mean, one that I know a lot of ERs use all the time is like to if someone doesn't smell great or if like someone accidentally like, I don't know, like something smells bad. We would get like an oxygen tank and then put coffee grounds into a nebulizing mask and let that rip. So that way it would be like a diffuser in the room. So it smells <laughs> coffee. That's actually genius. We so you would so like if someone I haven't seen the oxygen part of it. I've just seen the coffee grounds sitting around. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, but the thing is, like, if you just have the coffee grounds sitting there, like, it doesn't like move. Yeah, you got to get it to move. So if you stick them in the little nebulizing part and then you attach that to the oxygen and just let it go to like twenty liters, (laughs) it just nebulizes all this coffee. Coffee. (laughs) It's it's Bath and Body Works, like hospital edition. That's what it is. (laughs) I love that. 
Wow. So you really had to be resourceful. Yeah. It, and I'm so thankful for that job because on top of, I feel like from the hospitals that I've gone to now, the people who are most down to earth are the ones that are in like the low resource inner city hospitals, just because we have to kind of roll with the punches and we take it how it is. And, you know, that's, you just, you're very, you're more, I feel like you're more adaptable. You're also, you let things roll off. And easily. I think, I think you guys would, and my experience has taught me that the individuals that come from those areas or from like outlining hospitals who pretty much catch everything because they're the only facility in that area, mm-hmm. those nurses have a lot of grit to them because they're like, yeah, bring it on. That lady's yep. having her baby. Come on, bring her yep. in. We're going to have her push because she's not going to, you know, we're gonna catch it. exactly. We're going to catch it. Yes. He got stabbed accidentally. Oh, he rolled over on an accidental bottle and it is in his rectum bring it on let's take care of this you know what I mean? they're like nothing phases them yeah. <laughs> no it's true that's how it was because and that's I think how I kind of got my little reputation going to other hospitals because especially in the LA area they all know of you know we all know which hospitals have reputations for oh, not yeah. being the greatest so when they'd hear of where I came from they'd they would just kind of like sit there in a little bit of shock and awe, like, oh, okay, like you're going to, you're going to be fine then we'll we'll be okay. And then of course I'm the last person to complain about anything because I'm just so used to being in mayhem. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we've, we've ran into and worked with, um, a nurse or some nurses that have worked like inner city or like these community hospitals where a lot of their funding comes from like, you know, Medicare, Medicaid kind of situation and or from the government because of the type of cases that they get. And they, he or she is very like gritty and super resourceful and has been like, has great stories as to like, yeah, this patient jumped on my back and was like, yeah, man, and they go back and forth. But it's, it is true that those facilities or those individuals who came from that, that place or that's where their start is, they have like a different kind of foundation and backbone. It's not all like sunshine and roses that a lot of people think nursing is. Yeah. Like I, I remember with my first travel assignment when I got there, I was so used to just doing everything because we usually don't have texts on the floor. We don't, we hardly ever had phlebotomy. Uh, you just, you did it all. Sometimes you, we wouldn't really have RTs, especially at the beginning of the pandemic. So we, we were everything. And I remember going to my first travel assignment and the, like I was doing my own EKG and the EKG tech came over and was like, you took my machine. I'm like, I'm I'm supposed to do my, my patient has an EKG ordered. He's like, yeah, that's, that's what I'm here for. Like, well, I'm going to do it. I'm I'm the nurse. And he's like, I I am the EKG tech. This is what I do because that hospital has an EKG person that just does EKGs. So I felt so bad. I'm like, the only purpose. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it it makes you a little bit more appreciative since you did come from that background. Like when you do get like the most up-to-date technology and everything, you're like, oh, this is really cool. Right. Or you have techs that help you with your baths or, you know, anybody who's like, just there to help and you're just kind of sitting in awe like oh my job is is to 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 give just give medications and chart like you just don't know what to do with yourself yeah I, I didn't half the time like some 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 of the texts that I would end up having they'd be so helpful that I hardly ever had to lift a finger and to them that was normal like that's part of their job but to me it felt like I was abusing them <laughs> No, and and like completely. And I mean, I know Hannah and myself, and I can speak for Hannah in this situation, you know. Um, and one of the places that we have had the privilege of like going and working at, um, they like if we got floated to another floor or you know, came in that day for you know, agency, whatever type, um, and they they float you down to like a cutie lower than what you came in at. So, like, if you went to a PCU floor, but like we are so used to doing everything ourselves that the same thing, like the, the text kind of, you're like thankful, but also kind of like, well, that, that, that's my job. <laughs> you're like, you did my blood sugar and my vitals. Like, what? Why? <laughs> <laughs> oh, whoops. <laughs> I guess they'll be double charted now. So what's your kind of favorite patient to take care of? Not like personality wise, but like 
condition. The nice ones. <laughs> the nice um, ones, not personality. <laughs> um, I think I really like neuro. Like anything oh. neuro or cardio. See, don't mostly, love neuro. Mostly cardio because I don't understand it half the time. <laughs> <laughs> like, because I, I mean, it's it's like one thing that I never like to say, but I'm not great at EKGs. So like I, I'm terrible at reading them. If it if they didn't say on top what the rhythm was, I'd be lost, so lost. And ER nurses are supposed to be like great with EKGs and like reading them, knowing exactly what the rhythms are. But unless it's like AFib, RVR, SVT, VTAC, VFib, I'm like, okay, I don't know what that is. Okay, sign us for them. <laughs> yeah, so I, I love cardio just because I think the heart is just so amazing in itself. So anytime there's a cardio issue and the cardiologists come down, I'm like a little kid. I'm like, what are you doing now? And why are you doing that? And what are you doing next? And how? And why? And they get annoyed of me, but I, that, I just love it. And I think that's why I also love the ER in general, because most of the ICUs to in the hospitals that I've been to, they have kind of um, like unit specific in a, in a sense, like there's a cardiac or like CVICU, there's a like medical ICU. Sometimes if, if depending on the hospital, there's like even further than that, it's like a respiratory ICU, stuff like that. Okay. So Elizabeth, for um, a new nurse or even like a, a nurse who's been a nurse for a while, um, an experienced nurse, one might say, um, those are the words for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you recommend for someone who wants to go into the ER? Like how to, can they get that kind of job? What's a way for them to make themselves more marketable to become an ER nurse? Well, I think for sure with ER nursing, it's just the credentials are a lot more specific, but specific and broad in a way, because you have to have not just your ACLS and BLS, like my, like most nurses have, but you also have to have your pals, like you have to have pediatric um, yeah. ACLS as well, because most ERs, unless you're right next to a pediatric hospital, you're going to have pediatric patients as well, which um, it, not many people are comfortable handling pediatric patients. Most people are just um, comfy with the adults and that's all that they want to do. So I think if someone doesn't feel comfortable with pediatrics, definitely take a class for pediatric nursing. There's there's a bunch of refresher courses out there. I took one for sure because I had not – like pediatrics is something that's kind of like – they go into it in nursing school, but it's not, it's not like the bulk of what we learn. It's kind of glazed over. And unless you want to go into pediatric nursing, you're really never going to see another kid again. So if you go into an ER – and you are going to have pediatric patients, definitely take a class to kind of get yourself more marketable to the ER that you go to, because then they'll see that you're equipped and ready um, to and handle. Just talking time. about like, you're not just talking about like a PAL certification prior to applying to a job. You're talking about like reviewing your pediatric, you know, repertoire. Yeah. Yeah. Reviewing. And then just there are refresher courses out there for pediatric nursing. Um, I can't remember the names of them off the top of my head, but I took a like a small course. It was just an online course before I ended up applying or interviewing for my ER position, just so that way I could brush up on what the different ages, what they needed for the different ages, um, and just pediatric nursing in general, because you kind of have to learn or relearn not just adults, but each each age range for a child requires different medications, different dosings. Yeah. Um, just it's yep. so in depth once you go below 18 <laughs> for a person. So sometimes that can be a little daunting for people when they go into the ER. But definitely an EKG course or EKG um, certifications are great to make yourself marketable for an ER position. And my little tidbit is that whenever someone's asking me like, hey, I'm about to go interview for an ER position, like what's something that I can do to kind of make myself stand out in the interview? I love telling them to mention that you're that you thrive in a team environment because ER, as my old manager used to say, is a team sport. Like yeah. you cannot get through a day in the ER without oh. your team. 
So you have to thrive and be able to work as part of the team. ER is not for loners at all. So just to like in an interview, play that up, talk about how much you love to be in a team and just mention what you do when you're in a team. Like, what do you bring to them? And I think that's like probably the main thing that you want to talk about when you're going to go into the ER. Absolutely. Absolutely. But also be authentic when you're talking about it. Like if you just like mm-hmm. keep bragging on like, I'm a team player and I love no, for sure, team. for sure. They're going to be like, uh, what about, um, like NRP or TNTC? Do you, do you recommend people trying to get those before they, um, become apply for those positions. I know they look good on your resume, but also when you are applying, a lot of places will pay for you to get them. But you do, is that something that you recommend or? Well, the TNCC, um, you usually have to have like a certain amount of. Right. Yeah. That, that's yeah. A trauma. If anyone. Yeah. Like you usually have to have a certain amount of time in ER nursing and already to be able to get your TNCC from what I remember. Um, I believe you have to have like, I think a like a year or a year and a half before you can take your TNCC. I just know that there's a reason why I haven't taken it yet. Like, <laughs> like I was going to take it, but then I think I remember reading that I had to reach some point and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll pause. I'll pause. But um, yeah, there's the, there's the TNCC and there is another certification for pediatric nurses. Yeah. Um, and I think that one is a good one to have. I'm trying to Google what it is. And so while you're while you're looking that up, I'm just going to circle back to what you said earlier about taking those refresher courses. And it's, you know, the same is true vice versa. If you are someone who did, you know, um, neonatal or, you know, peas or critical care or, you know, you worked with children and you've decided now that you want to go into the emergency room setting, um, you know, the opposite is true as well. There's refresher courses for the geriatric, for adults, mm-hmm. um, and and those are great resources. And that shows a lot of initiative um, to your hiring managers or directors that, hey, you know, I'm really serious about this position. I'm not just applying because I need a new environment or I want change or anything like that. It, it shows that you have really, you know, thought about this process, you know, thought about this job and how it would impact your life and how you can impact it. And you've already taken this initiative and done these steps to say, hey, um, this is why I'm the total package and I'm willing to go above and beyond before I even get, you know, an official offer to show you that I'm worthy of this position. And I think that's a great point that you brought up. And I think it's also like not just taking the refresher course, but put it on your resume. Like you took the course, like it's, it's a great resume builder. Oh yeah, for sure. I would never, I would, I've had someone ask me before, like, Hey, I took this, um, like a random EKG class or something. And they're like, I don't know if I should add that to my resume. It's like, yeah, everything that you do that's attached to nursing, put it on your resume. Even if you think it's the most minimal thing it's, it's, someone is going to look at it and see that you're taking the initiative. Absolutely. And then when you do get that emergency nurse job, um, continue growth as always get certifications. You can get a CEN, TNTC. If you want to. No, no, always. No, if you want to. <laughs> always. <laughs> Anyways. No. Yeah, so not many places require it, but I think it's like you said, it's a good thing for growth, at least just to Absolutely. at least see. Um, if you want to, no. <laughs> you in the back, but also prove to yourself that you have the, you know what I mean, like that you know your stuff. Anyways, Kristen's giving me a look. Um, so, what ultimately made you delete, decide to leave your inner city staff nursing job and travel? Well. I took, I had already planned in the back of my mind that I was eventually going to do travel nursing just because of the flexibility, all the opportunities that it brought. And like how you were saying, like, just, just for growth, I am the type of person that I don't like to get too comfortable in one position because then I feel like you kind of plateau and you're not, or at least I felt like I'm not growing. I'm not learning anything else as a nurse. Mm -hmm. And one reason why I felt that at my staff job is because 
it's an inner city hospital that has a high turnover rate of nurses. And uh. me being there, I had reached maybe a year and a half, close to two years, not sorry, not even two years. I would say I had reached my year and then some months that point. And I was one of the senior nurses there on staff because they have such a high turnover rate that if you're there for longer than a year, it's like, oh, you've been here forever. Most people mm. leave after a few months. So I wasn't really able to learn from anybody else because there weren't senior nurses that had been nurses for decades that could teach right. me anything else. It was babies teaching babies, as we called it. So I wanted to move on to somewhere that I knew I could soak up more knowledge from other nurses who knew more than me because I knew I didn't know enough. So I already had this plan to eventually do travel or at least go to another hospital. And then I think like I had already talked to a couple of travel nurses that had come through our, our ER and I was again gung-ho about it. I wanted to do it. I had already talked to my boss about it. He's very, very kind. And I was able to express to him that I eventually wanted to leave. And my plan was to do travel, but I wanted his input because he had been a travel nurse before. Mm. And he, a lot of people were like, oh, my gosh, why would you talk to your boss that you want to leave? Like, that's like shooting yourself in the foot. It's like, no, he's I think it's I think it's something that everyone should talk to maybe a superior about and be like, hey, like, these are especially if there's no one else on the unit that you can talk to like yeah i think one of the unit managers or your like nurse educator on the unit is probably a good person to talk to about growth in the field so he advised me that for sure to look into travel because it is just a great position but then the pandemic hit so that kind of put my my plan on pause for a little bit and a few months rolled around and around March and April, I started hearing of more traveling opportunities within LA. So a friend of mine was going to start a travel assignment and we had both talked about leaving our job to go do travel. So he mentioned to me that there was an assignment popping up, obviously a really good rate, and that we could get started within that same month. So- Dang. I jumped at the opportunity and I kind of thought of, okay, well, if not now, when? So I used, I used the pandemic as sort of a catalyst to start my, my travel nursing career. That's awesome. And, you know, I feel like um, there are a lot of nurses in the same position as you. Like, you know, they were on the fence about it. They weren't really sure. They had been thinking about it. And I'll be completely honest and transparent. You know, I was one of those people, not during the pandemic, of course. Um, I was actually probably um, now two years ago I was thinking about traveling and like a year ago before – I can't even say like a year – from now. So almost two years ago, I was seriously thinking about traveling. Like I talked to agencies, I, you know, filled out all this paperwork and, you know, I was going to do it. And then when I was doing the pre-op PACU, I'm like, oh man, I could travel as a PACU nurse. This would be like awesome. But I think you're, you're absolutely correct. And like, you know, there are nurses that we worked with that have left bedside because like they've same thing this pandemic has been a catalyst and like these rates are like just too good for people to pass up and you know mm -hmm. Hannah and I were talking about the same thing earlier I was like well you know you can't you don't blame them for leaving because at the end of the day like you want to see these people that you've worked with that are part of like that were a part of your team that you considered you know a friend and someone that you knew like when you gave them your patient or you switch shifts or they were helping you, like that you could rely on, you want to see them do good. Like if Hannah went and did traveling, I'd be so like sad, but also <laughs> happy for her. And, you know, mm -hmm. I think it's a great, great opportunity for nurses. Yeah. Like you'd be proud of them because they're, they're doing something for them. Absolutely. And I feel like nursing is such a, it, like you have to be selfless in a sense to be, to do nursing because it is a selfless job. So for nurses who especially have been underpaid, like at my staff job, some of the travel nurses that would come through, 
I would honest have honest conversations with them about their pay because, of course, I wanted to eventually pursue travel, but I wanted to see what I was getting into. And I was hearing that they were making triple, sometimes quadruple what I was making as a staff nurse to do the exact same job I was in the exact same yeah, place. And yeah, crazy. that was like making it. I mean, it had me shook <laughs> that I was making pennies on the dollar. I was making their Starbucks order, essentially. And yeah. It really is another reason why it like catapulted me into travel nursing because I was not just going to have better pay, but I was also going to have um, more independence in my scheduling. It was going to give me back more of like a work-life balance that I wanted. It was pretty much the grass is greener that I kept seeing and I really wanted to pursue it. So now Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say like, so right now when I see nurses starting travel, like there's so many nurses that I know that started travel this year and I totally understand where they're coming from. Oh, absolutely. Do you think you'll ever back go back to being a staff nurse? I think it would, it would have to be a very specific situation for me to go back to being a staff nurse. Just yeah. because like, even if I moved, let's say, because right now I'm just doing local positions, but eventually... Um, I'm trying to, to nudge, nudge and convince my husband to get a work from home job so we can travel together. But um, if let's say we were to move, I would still probably take up a travel position there just because of the flexibility with scheduling, which is probably the thing that ties me to it the most because no one can tell me when to work. Like I tell them when I'm going to work and just yeah. having that like, I don't know what's a good word for it, but just having that independence and that power essentially to choose what you want to do when you want to do it is so liberating as a nurse because usually you're used to someone telling you when when you're scheduled or even if you do self-scheduling, it has to be around the needs of the department. You can never say like, well, I really just don't want to work that day. Like, I'm not feeling it. It's like, well, as a, as a traveler, I can do that. I can just tell them, like, I'm not feeling it today. I'm not coming. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, all right. And now for Kristen's favorite part of the show, the three R's. So, Elizabeth, this is the part of the show where you tell us your three R's of your nursing career. So that will be your regrets, your redos, and your rewards. Let's start with your regrets. I think one regret that I have is not taking my first job in a hospital setting it even though my first ER job was obviously in a hospital setting and it only happened 10 months later I feel like if I would have done my OR job in a hospital setting I would have stayed with it a lot longer and I would have loved it more but at the same time I I love that I switched to the ER because it just fits me like a glove and I can't see myself doing anything but ER right now. So in a way it was a good thing, but if I look if I look back on it like maybe in another in another time or so like an OR position in the hospital would have been better suited to me. Absolutely. I think I, I kind of got that vibe when we were like talking about that in the beginning. Um, I think generally as not to say you have to go straight into um, a bedside nursing in hospital position, but a lot of times hospitals do have like new nurse um, residency programs where they can really teach you and educate you. Um, so in that sense, I totally understand how that could mm -hmm. potentially be a regret or even a redo. Um, but at the same time, you're right. You may not have ended up and found your love in, for ER. Mm -hmm, exactly. So is, do you have a redo or you, is that uh, your kind of combined? Um, yeah, I guess it's kind of combined. I, like you said, nurse residency, like even the hospital that I went to with my ER position, they didn't even have a nurse residency. And I still quote unquote qualified under being a new grad because I had only like 10 months of experience. Right. So I would have loved to go to a hospital that had that sort of like not hand holding but at least an environment that was cohesive to learning absolutely because the hospital that i went to like being an inner city hospital being so low on resources it was sort of a sink or swim type of orientation like you had um like eight weeks 
maybe not even eight weeks. I think it was like six weeks with a buddy. And after that, sink or swim. So it was a good way to learn. But I saw a lot of nurses around me not able to swim. And I feel like if there would have been a good nursing program or nursing um, like orientation program, it would have been a lot better to learn in that environment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's important to note that like if you are interested in one of those kind of residency programs, there's drawbacks to it too. Because a lot of places make you sign contracts, owe them money if you break the contract early. So it is a very risk versus benefit. Mm -hmm. And last but not least, what is your biggest reward of your nursing career? Just the people that I've had that I've been able to to meet that I've just been honored to meet through nursing. Nursing is truly a community and you don't, it's one of the few professions that have such a deep rooted community. Like I have yet to meet like a group of machinists that have like such a deep rooted sense of community as nurses. Like we just, when you're talking to another nurse, you know that they've seen good days, you know that they've seen really, really bad days, you know they've seen people at their best and at their worst. And we all kind of have this same type of humor that's like sick and dark, but we love it and we wouldn't have (laughs) anything else. So just meeting all these different people and being part of this family per se is so rewarding to me. And I, it just makes me love healthcare even more. That's awesome. And, you know, we, we love hearing that. And, and that's what we want for, you know, our listeners as well to have that same experience when it comes to nursing. Um, I mean, if you're a new nurse, an experienced nurse, or even a nurse that's, you know, thinking about retiring, it's hearing these, this, this part of nursing that I think helps, and I say this pretty often, but helps keep you grounded in your foundation and, and, you know, the reason why you're in this profession to begin with. So Elizabeth, I just want to thank you so much for coming on today, um, sharing your story with us. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, it's been a pleasure kind of learning more about you and Elizabeth, if people are interested in finding you, um, and kind of following your story as you travel, um, where can they find you at? Uh, they can find me on Instagram at nurse.lizbeth. And it's kind of embarrassing, but now I have a TikTok. <laughs> no, that's not embarrassing. It's a like it. <laughs> yeah, under the same name, nurse.lizbeth. Okay. Okay. So make sure to give her a follow. Check out her TikTok. Um, she always- <laughs> no, don't check out my TikTok. <laughs> Go to Instagram. You post great like skincare routines and like just simple little tri- tips and tricks and you're into plants. So so make sure to give her over give her a follow over on Instagram. So as always, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this week's episode. Don't forget every Friday we drop a new episode. And if you, if you want to support us, make sure to give, leave us a five-star review and subscribe to our podcast. We're available on all major podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. If you could also make sure that you're following us for our updates on our socials at Nurses No Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Insta.